Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me. It's Monday. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to do a, a longer-form episode late last week, uh, but we are back here getting back into the swing of things Monday. Thank you for joining me. April will be the fourth month of the podcast. I started at the beginning of the year. I've had 30,000 downloads, so averaging about 10,000 a month. I guess that's good. I think there's uh, plenty of room for improvement there, but thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, go to Apple, go to Google, go to whichever podcast app that you use, and uh, the podcast is available everywhere. And if you like the podcast, make sure you leave me a review on Apple especially. And if you don't like the podcast, make sure you leave me a review um, because I'd love to hear about it. And, uh, you know, any publicity is good publicity. So if you want to leave me a terrible review and tell me how stupid uh, this show is, that would be wonderful. I wanted to start off by running through some of the headlines. And then I've got this uh, segment segment prepared on, on the Mr. Market analogy that uh, I'm going to get into. Um, fresh lows in the crude oil market. Fresh uh, multi-decade lows, as a matter of fact. The May WTI got down under 20 bucks, and that is the first time that that's happened since 2002. So in the oil market, you've got a situation of oversupply, which is a result of a couple of things. Increased production from the Saudis. We know that story. Them and the Saudis and the Russians couldn't agree on a production cut uh, via OPEC, and we saw a big price collapse as a result of that. And then on the demand side, you've got... Uh, reduced demand because of the virus, because of the quarantines. You just don't have the demand for uh, fuel at, at the retail level or, or even at the wholesale level now. So this thing is just a, a bad deal, and it's especially bad for ethanol and the ethanol industry. We're probably going to get to a point here where the U.S. is about maxed out on ethanol storage, and that's a bad deal. So we are going to see a whole bunch of plants reduce or suspend production. It's already happened. It could happen more. Um, that's why, you know, you've seen rallies in the wheat market and in the soybean market, but you haven't seen that rally in the corn market. And this ethanol is just a big weight around the the neck of the corn market. You know, analysts are projecting just massive demand losses this year. Now, could this thing change? I believe it could. I believe you'd have to get to a situation where the Saudis agree on a production cut and and maybe simultaneously or in, or in, uh, at some point get the U.S. economy running again. And the way it looks now, Trump says, you know, end of April. Could it be longer than that? That's very possible. Now, in regard to this report tomorrow, you've all seen the numbers. The trade looks for big corn acreage, lighter soybean acreage by comparison. Both numbers are going to be above last year, of course, because we had all that prevent plant. The grain stocks numbers should come in below last year's levels, according to the pre-trade estimates. The report, as important of a report as this is, it's it's really kind of the kickoff to the growing season as far as the trade is concerned. This is when traders really start to pay a little bit more attention, really, to the uh, uh, production potential for corn and soybeans especially. It just seems like it's not not as much hype this year because of everything else that's going on. And we've got a lot going on. 
Uh, situation in Russia, the ag ministry may limit grain exports for three months. This this has rallied the wheat market, or I think helped to rally the wheat market, but uh, the amounts that they're talking about are not really uh, consequential, I don't think. They're talking 7 million metric tons for April, May, and June, and those would be numbers that are kind of in line with what we've seen the last couple of years. So I don't think that there's a big impact, but I guess there's a chance that they go bigger than 7 million metric tons. So in, in soybeans and in wheat, I, like I talked about last week, I see some short-term issues that are virus-related logistics issues, essentially. Uh, but I don't know that we have a supply issue. I don't know that we have any major crop issues, um, that sort of thing. Uh, one thing I wanted to discuss very briefly, the funds, um, and you know how I love the funds, the funds covered all their shorts in the soybean market, which kind of reminds me of what happened in January to this point. In January, ahead of the trade deal, uh, the funds were heavily short. And then when we found out that the trade deal was going to be signed on January 15th, the funds covered all of that short, but they never really took a long position, not a substantial long position. They, they may have been just marginally long the, the bean market for a minute back in January. And then they very quickly reverted to a short position. So I'm kind of reminded of that now because we, we've seen the, the big short covering, but we haven't been able to make that next leg up and, and get the fund money to go long. And that's not to say they couldn't happen, but we just haven't seen any of that yet cattle market continues to be real messy a lot of volatility here still this big disparity between the cash cattle and, and the futures market it's, it's really phenomenal cash cattle traded up to 120 i think most of the volume was actually at 120 on friday and here we are at, at 101 we even traded under 100 uh on monday okay i'm going to try to get into this mr market analogy i'm essentially going to try to equate grain marketing to a book that was written by a British American or British born American investor in 1949. So we'll see how this goes. The book itself is very famous. Um, a lot of famous investors have kind of cited the book as being a big influence. Warren Buffett's a big fan of Benjamin Graham, as a matter of fact, and has employed some of the principles that uh, are discussed in the book. In the book, there is a character named Mr. Market, and Mr. Market is a crazy person. He is uh, he's a manic depressive. He's emotional. He's moody. He's irrational. Um, he's a crazy person. He's, he probably has a, a substance abuse problem. Um, he's, he's, uh, he's nuts. And anyways, in the book, you are imagined, you are supposed to imagine as the reader that you are the owner of a business and Mr. Market is your business partner. Now, basically every day, Mr. Market knocks on your door. And when Mr. Market's very pessimistic and the business isn't doing well, Mr. Market will offer to sell you his share of the business. He'll say, you know what? This business is not doing good. We're not making money. I'd like to sell you the share. I want out. And in the other situation, the other extreme, Mr. Market will get very wildly optimistic. Mr. Market will knock on your door, and this will be when the business is doing really well and uh, and and earnings are good and prices are up. And Mr. Market will offer to buy the business from you. He'll say, I want to own all of it. I'm very optimistic. And and that, of course, co correlates with an up market. In regard to grain marketing, I was trying to think about how to make this analogy. And I'm going to say that the funds, who I talk about very often, large money managers, I'm going to say that they are Mr. Market in this uh, scenario. And it, it's not a perfect analogy. It's not a perfect analogy. But I'm, I'm doing my best here because I think it, 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 there's something about it that makes sense to me. So the funds, let's look at the corn market right now. How is Mr. Market uh, acting in regard to the corn market? Well, the funds are short 110, 120,000 contracts in all likelihood. 
Mr. Market's real negative right now in the corn market. He's very pessimistic. Um, if if corn if corn itself was a business, Mr. Market would probably be a seller. He'd probably say, ah, you know what, this thing just doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it's not going anywhere. It's not doing well. I think I'm going to offer to to sell you my share in in uh, in corn, which is we'll just say it's a business. And then on the flip side of it, when uh, the funds are heavily long, Mr. Market, when Mr. Market is heavily long, prices are up and uh, things are profitable. Uh, Mr. Market's going to say to you, you know what? I'd like to buy all your corn. I'd really like to buy all of it at these high prices. I think it's going higher. Um, and, and you kind of understand how that works, I guess. So I've talked before on the podcast about how um, when the funds are heavily long, that oftentimes provides some really good marketing opportunities. And I think that this kind of goes back to that same conversation. The market is crazy and it goes from one extreme to the other and sometimes very quickly. And most of the time, just about every year, uh, we see those extremes kind of flipped uh, at least once in a calendar year, oftentimes two or three times in a calendar year, sometimes more. So um, when you've got to look at the markets, I think, and, and you can use this, this analogy, I think, in your grain marketing and say, all right, what is Mr. Market? Mr. Market's knocking on my door every day. The Chicago Board of Trade's open every day. Mr. Market is, is figuratively knocking on your door every day. And uh, some days he's real negative. Some days he's very positive. As of late, we're just going to use the corn market as this example. He's been very, very negative. So, you know, you, you read through the just, you just listen to the description of the book that I've just given you and uh, the analogy. And um, Mr. Market's probably a little overly negative right now, perhaps. Um, and I'm not trying to predict prices here. I'm just trying to put this situation into perspective. We've got a lot of negative news, no profitability. Um, the funds, Mr. Market, as I'm going to use in this analogy, heavily short, uh, heavily pessimistic, very pessimistic. Um, and, and I'm not going to get into specific headlines here, but it's always a different headline. You know, when the market's down or the market's up, it's it's always sometimes there's similar headlines, but it's always a little bit different situation. And maybe we've got an extreme situation right now, but we're not going to talk too much about the headlines. We're just going to talk about the situation in general. Things are very negative. Prices are down. Profitability non-existent. So in this instance, to go back to the example, um, you're uh, the owner of that business. Mr. Market's knocking on your door with these low prices. Are you interested in selling at these low prices? Um, you're supposed to be, and, and in the book, uh, you are supposed to be a rational person. And what does a rational person do? The book says that a rational person will buy low and sell high. Well, you don't really have to do much as a farmer in terms of buying low. I mean, yeah, input costs and you know, cash rents, anything, any of your things along those lines. But when it comes to actually marketing grain, um, buying low is, is not really something that you need to be overly interested in. When you need to get really excited as a rational person, as a rational grain marketer, is when Mr. Market gets really optimistic. When Mr. Market comes knocking on your door with good prices and Mr. Market's along the market, the funds are along the market. Um, when you get to that point, that's when you need to kind of look up and say, okay, Mr. Market uh, is very excited. He's very optimistic. Uh, Mr. Market's long. The funds are long the market, maybe heavily long the market. And we've seen a, a nice rally. We're into profitable levels um, and all the news is positive. So again, the rational person here, you are the rational person. You're 
you're going to be a rational person this year. Um, <laughs> I try to be rational most of the time. It, it, it works out. It's a, it's a discipline thing. But um, a rational person will buy low and sell high. And in your instance, when it comes to grain marketing, you really just have to worry about selling high. And um, that's where the analogy kind of separates itself. So in, in the book, um, the, the investor, you, the owner of the business who he's trying, Benjamin Graham's trying to teach you how to trade stock, basically. He wants to buy low and, and sell high. We don't need to worry about that buy low part. We just need to worry about the sell the, the sell high part. So we may be in an instance right now in the corn market, and I'm not saying the corn market couldn't go lower because it certainly could. We've got major problems right now, but it's a different conversation. Um, to use the analogy, this would probably not be your time to uh, to sell corn to Mr. Market or to do business with Mr. Market in regard to the corn market. Let let Mr. Market be short at low levels and uh, exercise some discipline. And when we get to the other extreme, when Mr. Market quickly, or, or maybe it doesn't have to be quick, but when he shifts gears and he decides he's going to be optimistic, Mr. Market decides that he uh, wants to be long the corn market. Mr. Market has pushed the market to profitable levels for whatever reason. And the reason the reason doesn't matter. That's that's one big thing that I have highlighted here in, in my little outline, which is usually about half a page long. Um, the reason doesn't have to matter. That's one thing that I think farmers and grain marketers and people get hung up on is is why. I feel like a lot of the questions that I answer from from customers and from people in meetings is is why. Why is why is the market up? Why is the market down? And uh, it doesn't really matter why. It doesn't matter why if the profitability is there. Um, if Mr. Market's optimistic and has presented you with an opportunity, there's always going to be a reason why. Um, there's always going to be a bullish headline associated with that spike in prices, or there's always going to be a bearish headline associated with um, with the downward move in prices. In this instance, uh, in the corn market right now, as, as we speak here this week, uh, you've got this ethanol situation, which just looks terribly dire, but there's always going to be some sort of information associated with the move in the market. And the why of it is something that you've got to start to pay less attention to. Or if if you must pay attention to it, you've got to get yourself over the hump and start to realize that positive headlines are when your best marketing opportunities come and negative headlines when we get into that uh, uh, kind of stretch of, of time, which is probably where we're at now in the corn market, at least, which is where I'm trying to keep our focus. I don't want to jump from market to market. Um, uh, there's always going to be a headline and, and you've got to stop asking why and start asking, you know, am I profitable? Um, do the numbers work? Am I selling high? Do, you know, that sort of thing. I think that the why in terms of the markets is is not necessarily something that you need to pay too much attention to. And it's tough not to pay attention. I understand it. You look at the weather, you look at the crop potential, you look at the USDA reports, there will always be a why. But I think that what you've got to try to do is ignore the why uh, to a pretty significant extent. And that is what a rational person would do. I think that the rational person uh, in, in regard to this book and also in regard to grain marketing, um, the rational person buys low and sells high. And the reason doesn't really matter. Now, now I, I will say this is not as easy as I maybe just made it sound because who is to say what is low and, and what is high? That's that's what's very difficult to gauge. Is 340 corn, $3.40 May corn, is that low? 
I mean, relative to the last four or five years, even the last 10 years, yeah, it's, it's pretty low. But that doesn't mean that that has to be low for this year. Maybe $3 is low for this year. Maybe two eighty is low for this year. I, I'm, I'm not, I can't say that. And I, I can't really say what is high either. Is, is $4 high? Is four twenty five high? Is four fifty high? I don't I don't know what high is, but I try to use Mr. Market in my example as a gauge. I try to use those fund positions as as a gauge uh, for how to market grain. So if Mr. Market's got a position on in the corn market and and the funds, Mr. Market in my example, uh, if he's got a position on in the corn market, and I can see that it it is a pretty big position relative to what Mr. Market has done over the last five or ten years, then I'm probably going to say prices are high. Prices are high. Um, and, and I'll call that high. That's as good of a definition as I can put on it because I, w- without making any attempt to predict the market, that's the only way that I can gauge, in my opinion, what's high and what's low. Now, there are other people who would say, oh, you can use the, the charts or an overbought or oversold indicator, or you can compare it to a weekly or monthly chart. I don't try to really do that. I just, I want to look at what Mr. Market's doing. I want to look at what the funds are doing and, if, if they tell me, if they've gotten to a point where they're overly optimistic or maybe very optimistic relative to where they had been in recent years in regard to positions, um, that's, that's your opportunity to sell high, I think. And that doesn't mean that the market couldn't go higher. We could get into a situation this summer, and I have no idea what's going to happen, but we could get into a situation this summer where, say, the corn market rallies to four and a quarter and the funds are long 150,000 contracts. Is that high? It, it, it is high, but we could go higher. Um, crazier things have happened. So predicting prices is for the birds. You don't want to do that. It's, it's not anything that's going to, you're going to have a lot of luck with, I don't think. What you've got to do is just try to identify these opportunities based on the, uh, the attitude of Mr. Market and maybe more importantly, the position of Mr. Market which in my example would, would be the funds. And I hope this analogy didn't confuse you too much, but we're going to say Mr. Market is the funds. When Mr. Market gets really heavily short, he's, remember, he's crazy, he's schizophrenic, he's manic depressive, he's emotional, he's moody. When Mr. Market gets really pessimistic and, and he's down and out, he's depressed, that's not your marketing opportunity. That's not your marketing opportunity. When Mr. Market, the funds, Mr. Market, when when he gets optimistic and bullish and he owns a whole bunch of corn and uh, prices are back above cost of production and they're profitable and you can lock in profits. I think that that's what you need to become interested in. So that's that's the best analogy I, I could give you, I think. Um, and, and I had a friend uh, mention this book to me and he'd asked me if I read it. And I said, yeah, I've read it. Um, not for, not for a while, not, not probably 10 years ago. Uh, and, and I left out a lot of details, you know, Graham in the book, he talks about, he talks a lot about valuations and he gets into things along those lines. He gets a lot more specific in, in regard to say specific stocks and things like that. But, uh, the, the, the principles are, are pretty simple. The markets, the, the principle is that a market's a crazy person. And when he gets optimistic, um, you've got to get, I'm not going to say pessimistic, but you've got to start to sell. And that's kind of the the moral of the story here. I hope that made sense. I hope uh, it wasn't uh, too crazy of, of, a, of a take on the situation. But um, I've, I've been able to kind of put that um, I, analogy in the back of my head. And I, I believe that it's, it's served me well um, and, and helped me to cut through a lot of the noise and a lot of the chatter and a lot of the negativity in a situation 
like this. Thank you for listening, everybody. Um, if you do need some help with your grain marketing and you want some specific recommendations, you want to know when and how I'm employing all of the principles that I've talked about in this podcast, um, sign up for my subscription service. Go to standardgrain.com. Uh, pay that 49 bucks a month. It's built through PayPal, and you can cancel it at any time. Uh, you get my email. You'll know when and how I'm pricing corn, soybeans, and wheat, and I'm going to kind of explain to you uh, in writing you know, these, these principles, these, these ideas, and, and we're going to in real life, apply it to your grain marketing from, from a day-to-day basis, essentially. So if you think you need some help, start there. Um, if you don't like the subscription, you can cancel it at any time. Again, I don't rope you into anything. Um, that would be a good deal for you. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope to be back, uh, later next week. Everyone, uh, have a good week. I hope the markets can recover. Remember, big report Tuesday morning at 11 Central Time. We'll catch you next time.